Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Boys of 161st Street. This week, Damon and Luke sit down with Yankees writer and reporter Brian Hoke. We talked about his journey from growing up a Yankees fan to becoming one of the most well-known and respected reporters in the MLB. Brian also goes into his favorite Yankee team to cover, what a shortened season would look like, and much, much more. Let's get right to it. All right, well, welcome, Brian Hoke. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on. Uh, you guys know him as the Yankees guy. He's the biggest Yankee reporter on Twitter. He's covering New York baseball for the past two decades, working with the Yankees clubhouse as an MLB reporter since 07. Uh, you also write for MLB.com, frequents on MLB radio, MLB network, and the author of The Baby Boomers, as well as Mission 27. And I think it's your birthday tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did a little research. I saw it on your Twitter. It's funny because my birthday is April 5th, too. So what are we doing for it? Oh, wow. Yeah, different year, <laughs> but uh, for sure. Yeah, cool. So what are we doing for our birthday? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, it's not much to do, so it's not going to be one of the yeah, most exciting birthdays. But glad yeah. to have you on for close to our birthday. So uh, speaking about the book, uh, I actually personally haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. I really want to. And I actually, as soon as I can get out of the house, I might go grab a copy. But what, right. ins- what inspired you to write the book? Because obviously it's about the baby bombers, but what's something that inspired you to write it? Um, I think that what we wanted to do with that book was um, show, well, first of all, I got approached to write a book about Aaron Judge that year. And this is Judge's rookie year when he's kind of, setting the world on fire. He's on his way to winning the rookie of the year and the home run derby. And, you know, we started talking a little bit about doing a book just on judge, but then I told them, uh, the publisher diversion books, I said, there's a better story that we can tell here. And there's something, uh, about the transition from how this went from Derek Jeter's Yankee team to Aaron judge's Yankee team. And, all the moves of Brian Cashman and his front office staff were able to do in the background to kind of find this next generation of talent, develop them. Guys like Judge, Gary Sanchez, Luis Severino, uh, Greg Bird was the first baseman at that time. So I felt like uh, there was definitely a story to be told there. If you remember, the Yankees kind of tore it down at the deadline, uh, traded away guys like Carlos Beltran, uh, really shipped that, you know, they cut ties with Alex Rodriguez. So it, it, it that that was basically the idea of the story is there's this new generation of up and coming Yankees coming. And that 2017 Yankee team was so lovable. I mean, they really came yeah. out of nowhere and they weren't expected to be playoff contenders. Even, I mean, people were talking about that was going to be a 500 team. Uh, they, they wound up exceeding that going to the ALCS. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, no, that, that was definitely what we wanted to, to get across on the book. Well, what was one thing that surprised you when you're researching the book? 
You know what I really enjoyed was getting into the scouting behind the scenes because by that point we already knew who Judge was and his background. What I really liked was um, talking to the guys who scouted him, not just in college when he was at Fresno State as a center fielder, but also all the way back to high school when he was a pitcher and a first baseman. And, you know, you've got this behemoth of a guy who's, you know, throwing 90 (laughs) mile an hour fastballs and just blowing away all these high school kids. And, um, you know, there are people who thought that Judge could have made it as a pitcher, too. Uh, or, you know, I mean, he could have had an NFL career. He, he just had so many options. So talking to people who knew him way back when, before he had become Aaron Judge, the Yankees, uh, you know, superstar, um, I, I thought that was cool to kind of roll the clock back and be like, well, this guy was clearly on the path somewhere special. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, a lot of things have to break right for the Yankees to wind up with Judge, too. Um, you know, 31 uh, other picks were ahead of him, but uh, you know, teams passed on Aaron Judge and didn't quite see the talent. And I mean, the raw power was there, but you didn't see the polish that we see now. And so that was cool to, to kind of peel back the layers of the onion and talk to guys about that. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely yeah. definitely has a cannon. I don't know why people wouldn't think that he could be a pitcher in the MLB. I mean, he's got one of the most live arms in the league, so I wouldn't put it past him for sure. <laughs> I think he could do it right now. I, I, I pick him up and, uh, put him out there to pitch the seventh inning or something. Why not? Yeah, with all the injuries yeah, last why year. Why not just throw yeah. him in last year? I mean, we down to nothing, but obviously we'll have a little more rest this year. <laughs> we don't know. He got, got a real mind in pitching last year, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a couple times. Yeah, yeah, a couple times. And Didn't Mike do Ford. that either. Mike Ford, too. <laughs> Mike Ford. Remember that inning Mike Ford threw? Yeah. Like two innings, two innings. And. You know what's funny about that? I always talk, tell people about that. That proves that I could probably pitch in the big leagues because Ford <laughs> came out there the first inning, he's throwing like 85, yeah. and he was getting hammered. And then he, he slowed it down, and he was kind of looping in a 55-mile-an-hour fastball, and guys couldn't hit yeah. him. So I, think, so I think I could get three outs in the big leagues if I did that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to the little arc ball. Yeah, that's, it. that's all you got to do. Guys <laughs> are geared up for 95, he's throwing 55. Yeah. They don't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah they, exactly. I mean their job is just to get just get the innings, so, like literally just get pitches yeah. going. So I mean whatever. Oh, I mean he did pitch in at Princeton, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. It shows. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Anyway, before we get too deep into Yankee content, I want to know what's your favorite bourbon. Oh wow, um, <laughs> I'm a Maker's Mark guy. Wow, Maker's that, Mark. That's okay. A, that's a question out of left field. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We did Baker's a little Mark. research okay. on you, so we wanted to. We knew right. you're our big Ron okay. Burgundy guy, and they, yeah. uh, us too yeah. as well. But uh, big, yeah. we're big bourbon guys too, as you can see by Damon's large beard that goes hand in hand. So. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of figure that uh, that was the case there. Yeah, yeah. For sure. that's just I just kind of rub some whiskey in my beard to make it grow. That's what happens. That's good. Yeah, it works as a cologne too. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, of uh, course. Purpose. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, another thing we saw on your website was that you originally started. Um, in high school when you launched the Mets online website. So were you originally right. a, a Mets fan or would you grow up watching both teams or how did that work? It's a weird story. So I started out as a Yankee fan. Like I had Mattingly on my wall. Like he was my guy. Yeah. And I was 12 years old when the strike happened in 1994. And mm-hmm. that just broke my heart. And like I stopped watching baseball for a couple of years. I really lost interest in it completely. And um, so around 96, uh, my dad was a Mets fan. My grandpa was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. They kind of lured me back in, and they were like, hey, the Mets have some exciting stuff going. You know, that was when they had the Generation K pitchers coming up, Jason Isringhausen, mm-hmm. Bill Pulsiver, Paul Wilson. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll watch the Mets for a little while. And then, of course, the Yankees win the World Series in 96, 
98, 99, 2000. Those are all years that I'm in high school and just hearing it from everybody. All the yeah. Yankee fans in my school are going nuts. I grew up in Rockland County. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So bad timing there to, to become a Mets fan. But uh, and now I'm back on the other side of town. So I, I guess maybe maybe I wound up where I was supposed to be all along. Yeah, yeah now it seems like it. Now you're the leader of the Yankees, so I mean, ended up uh, ended up working Brian out. Brian Cashman's the leader of the Yankees. <laughs> I just get to hang around him. Well, the leader, then the leader of Yankees Twitter, and that's basically the same thing. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, so you've obviously been around the Yankees for a long time. You've been covering them for how many years now, as a beat reporter? Um, well, 2007 would have been my first. So I saw the last year of Joe Torre, the entire Joe Girardi era, uh, mm-hmm. closing of the old stadium, the opening of the new one, the World Series in 09. So gotten to be around for some very cool stuff. And now, obviously, the first two years, Aaron Boone, and hopefully we get to year three. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah, us too, man. I mean, you've obviously, like you said, seen a lot. So what was your favorite team to cover? Ooh. Well, I, I probably have to say 2009 just because Mark and I, Mark Feinstein, wrote a book about it. And like, I feel yeah. like we are so deep into that season now, more than we were in 2009. And, and that's the thing. It went so fast, 09 did, because you knew they had this super team that was put together. You expected that they were going to win a lot of games. That's why they went out and got CeCe Sabathia, A.J. Burnett, Mark Deshera. Um, you didn't know that Nick Swisher was going to become a star, but he did. Yeah. Um, it was just a fun ride to be around. And when they won game six in 2009, it was almost like, all right, cool. Now, when are they going to win again? Like, well, that's what they were yeah. put together to do. And, you know, obviously they'll win in 2010, 2011, 2012. And now that it didn't happen and you're more than a decade later, I think that's what made that year so special to go back into with that book was because I don't think that we in the media or fans gave it enough credit at the time that it was happening. That was just what was supposed to happen. They opened this awesome new stadium and they're going to win the world series. <laughs> and you, you kind of expected it was going to happen again. And the fact that it didn't now, I think makes 2009 even more special to me. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. 2009 was definitely a good year. I mean, love to have another season like that anytime soon. So that'd be great. And maybe you could write another book. I know you actually, you yeah. have, don't you have another book coming out soon? I don't, uh, but we had talked about if the Yankees were able to get past Houston last year. We were Mark and I were going to do a follow up to Mission Twenty Eight. Uh, we were going to do a Mission yeah. Twenty Eight book uh, yeah. that would have been uh, called Next Man Up. So we were that definitely awesome. talking about it. Um, yeah, but uh, didn't quite work out. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure next year. I mean, if if baseball ends up happening and then they do something crazy, and I don't know, I mean, it could be a very good book to write. I mean. There's, uh, I'm definitely taking notes on everything that's going yeah. on out here. It's uh, the weirdest, strangest spring training I've ever covered. I mean, and obviously we're on pause now, but yeah, uh, yeah just just wild. So I, I hope we get baseball back really soon. And um, yeah, that would be a that would be a fun one to write. I think. Yeah. So with that being said, how does this whole Corona thing impacted your job? I know obviously you're, you're in the media. You got to talk to all these guys. How's it? How's it? How's it going on with that? You know, I keep telling the story about, so somewhere around March 10, the Yankees had a game. I think it was a night game at Steinbrenner Field. And, you know, we went down and we were talking to Boone and talking about whoever the starting pitcher was that day and that kind of stuff. And I noticed on the whiteboard behind him in Magic Marker was written coronavirus. And so we said, what's that all about? And he basically said that a doctor had come in and talked to the Yankees and said, you know, hey, wash your hands. Don't be careful when you're signing autographs, that kind of stuff. It didn't seem like 
it was going to derail the entire season at that point. And then mm-hmm. a couple of days after that, Major League Baseball announced that uh, the reporters wouldn't be in the clubhouse anymore. So we did three or four days like that where we were just kind of talking to guys in the hallway. And again, it 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 was an I don't know, an inconvenience maybe, but it didn't seem like we were going to hit this kind of dead stop. And then that Thursday afternoon, everything just stopped. And once the NBA shut down, everything else kind of fell in a domino effect. And then it was like, wow, this is for real. This is really going to affect us here. And so, um, you know, I I think that while we're doing this for a while, we were going over to Steinbrenner Field and talking to guys. And uh, now, I mean, they've only got a a few guys over there. So there's not a whole lot of purpose in that. Most of the reporters have gone home. Um, Just considering how things are in New York right now, my family's here with me. They were here anyway. So we, we figured we might as well try and stay in Florida for a while. Uh, but, you know, this is going to hit everywhere. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still writing and doing a lot of phone work, but uh, it's almost like we've gone back into off-season mode, which is strange because we should be playing baseball right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but this is, you know, the thing to remember is it's bigger than us and it's bigger than baseball. I mean, this is just kind of a thing that's affecting the whole world and we've all got to do our part here. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. I mean, it's definitely impacting. I mean, we just do this for fun, but I mean, I can only imagine yeah. how, how you guys are holding up doing it. But I mean, hey, we're just getting by. Luckily, the Yankees have a uh, illustrious history where they have a lot of things <laughs> you can talk about and just anything going on. So anyway, I mean, the question we already touched on a little bit, but like the question everybody's asking is, do you think that we're going to have baseball this year? Because I'm getting a little pessimistic, honestly. I'm usually yeah. not. But what do you think? I understand, and it's hard when you're watching the news coverage, but yeah. I mean, the, the benefit is baseball has such a long season. It is a marathon. And yeah. so um, I don't know when baseball is going to happen again, but I do believe we will have some kind of season this year, um, whether that's 100 games, whether it's 80. I, I don't know. I, I'd be guessing. Um, I think you're going to have some kind of situation where we have expanded playoffs. Uh, we might go past October 31 and go into November with the World Series. I mean, if you can tell me that we can get these guys on the field, even if they have to play some kind of round-robin tournament, I mean, yeah. this is the time to experiment with all that stuff. I think everything should be on the table, whether we're talking about neutral sites or getting started with empty ballparks. I mean, I think we just we need baseball right now. And uh, I, obviously, public safety has to be the number one priority. But um, I want to watch some ball games. So. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and you know I what? Know. The players, the players want to play, too. Um, Zach Britton was on the radio the other day talking about how they're – willing to do pretty much anything to get the season going. And so once they do get the all clear, um, I, I think that we will have a season this year. I can't hundred percent guarantee it, but I do believe that. And um, I, I'm certainly hopeful because that's what we do. I mean, I uh, yeah. kind of lost without going to the ballpark, to be honest with you. The Yankees should have had the home opener yesterday. <laughs> and it's just weird to still be down here in this kind of endless spring training. Yeah. You're telling yeah. us, I mean, we, yeah. we, we live in the Upper East Side of New York city. So we're 10 minutes from the stadium and we try to get to as many as we do obviously not as many as you do but we i mean we had tickets to the game yesterday we just i think it just set in when that happened when i saw the ticket i was like yeah okay well i should not be in my house right now <laughs> i should yeah. be at billy's right before the game and then go over the stadium but yeah. anyway you mentioned a lot of things like a lot of the different scenarios that may happen with the season and we hear all the time on tv and from boone and all these other guys that everything's like on the table so to speak Sure. So you mentioned like this. We've heard the seven inning double headers, expanded rosters. What's the most like crazy scenario that you've been hearing? Like, 
obviously we hear like MLB round robin tournament could happen. Like what, what's the most wild yeah. thing that you've been hearing? That's well, a possibility. Think, um, you, know, you know what Britain was talking about yesterday, the idea of uh, adopting those minor league rules where they have, you know, to avoid x training games, you just put a runner at second base and, and try and get the game over with because they're going to, those pitching staffs are going to be taxed. I think you're going to be playing with expanded rosters. Um, I guess the craziest thing is the idea that there could be ties the way there are in the NHL. And maybe you incorporate that just and say, all right, you play nine innings or seven in a doubleheader and say, that's it. We're done. Um, But I think that it's going to be a weird year no matter what. So maybe this is the year that you have to do weird things to just get a season in. Um, So um, uh, it would be strange covering a tie ball game and just watching nine innings and say, all right, that's it. Done. Yeah. Yeah. That that would be really weird. I think, um, but like I said, I think everything really is on the table right now. Yeah, I know that in um, I know in a lot of the minor league games they were testing that that California rule with the runner on second, one out. Yeah. To me, that that seems a little overboard. I think that a shortened ball game might be a better you know scenario. But I don't know. I can't get get behind just putting a runner on second, one out, and then I think that just changes the whole the whole game in my opinion. I've seen it. Like I, I was in Trenton last year for a game and I, I saw it in action and yeah. it was kind of cool actually to see it really? in action, but, but that's, I didn't have any rooting interest. I wasn't, you know, cheering for the Trenton thunder to win the game. I was just yeah. kind of watching a ball game and I was like, Oh, I mean, it does move faster. Um, but I understand why you do it in the minor leagues. Um, you just want to get it's, it's for player development down there. Uh, when you're competing for a championship at the big league level, I think that's a different story. Yeah. And that's a good point. Recently, Mariano came out and said that a 60-game season doesn't really carry as much weight if you win the championship. Uh, I mean, with all these changes and everything like that, if they were to go ahead and like just uproot the old rules and do a bunch of new things, do, do you think that adds to that? And do you think he's correct just in general? You know, I trust me, I don't want to disagree with Mariano Rivera. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think that... What are guys going to do? Are they not going to wear the championship ring? Are yeah. they going to be like, oh, that's all, that one doesn't really count? I mean, maybe some will, um, but it's going to be a strange year no matter what you do. And so um, to compare it against a 162 where you went through the three rounds, I guess, yeah, it's going to be different no matter what. But I think if if they have a baseball season and you're the champions and you celebrate at the end of the World Series, then I think that's a valid championship. I mean, you're playing on the same field as the other 29 teams, so – um, yes, it's a different year, and it's hard to compare it to, say, when Mo and the Yankees won in 09, but who cares? Like, yeah. there, there are 30 teams that are competing for a championship, and you win the championship. I think that that's legit. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I know that um, I guess the one, the one, I guess, good part about this whole situation of delayed season is that we do get to start season with hopefully some healthy guys like Judge and Stan and – um, you know, with all that being said, we might actually have a lineup with a fully healthy lineup with all these guys who we've been dying to see play an entire season. So do right. you think that this kind of helps them play a full season? And with all these people who are now healthy and ready to go, what does that opening day lineup kind of look like, especially with those positions that, you know, could go either way. You know, we've been hearing about Miggy playing left field. You know, there's a first base battle. There's, you know, Rochelle's job to lose at third base. So I guess what are your what are your kind of thoughts on all that? Yeah, crazy, right? You know, we were already locked into the idea that Judge and Stanton would not be ready for opening day. And 
Um, yeah, it's looking like they will be. It looks like they'll have James Paxton back for the beginning of the season. I mean, depending on how late opening day is, they could have Aaron Hicks back too. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I figure the Hicks will be ready sometime in June or July. So hopefully that's not opening day, but I, I guess you can't rule anything out at this point. So I would think that, um, yeah, third base remains Urshela's job to lose. I think Andujar will be this kind of super sub off the bench. You can play some third base, play some left field. He'll DH a bunch. Um, yeah. You know, you, you probably have Stanton mostly DHing, um, though he he could probably play a little left field. You know, if they were playing games right now, I think Stanton would be close to getting back. He would have been playing in some minor league games, and um, they were expecting him around the middle of April. So I think he should be good to go. Um, yeah, just to answer your question, I can go around the entire diamond. I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious, I think. But Gary Sanchez behind the plate, Boyd at first, uh, LeMahieu at second, Glaber at short, Urshela at third. Outfield, opening day outfield would have changed a bit. Um, you yeah. know, obviously you weren't expecting Judge and Stanton back. I think Clint Frazier and Toffman could have been out there alongside Gardner and center field. Um, now that's going to change. I think that uh, eventually you'll have Gardner move over to left to make room for Hicks, but he'll begin the year as the center fielder. I would think you judge and right. And um, I guess that kind of leaves Frazier on the outside looking in again. But the good news for him is I think we're going to have expanded rosters even beyond the 26. So yeah. he might get a spot on the opening day roster no matter what. Yeah, it was funny because that was that was the first person I thought about when yeah. the the delayed season happened because I've been following Clinton Frazier for a very long time since college. I'm a big diehard Clinton Frazier fan. So definitely it hurt to see him once again not be able to get down the field. And he was having a good spring, too. Um, He's having you know, a great he, spring. Yeah. He, he, it was going to take a couple guys getting hurt for him to get an opportunity, and he was making the most out of it. Um, so he was having a good spring, seemed to have a good head on his shoulders. LeMahieu actually said that to me at one point. He said, uh, I was going around the clubhouse at some point and asking, you know, who's standing out to you, who's surprising you this spring. And he goes, Clint, Clint is, uh, you know, he, he, the focus is to another level here. And he was really making the most of that opportunity. And so that was, I mean, DJ doesn't say a whole lot. So when he <laughs> does speak, um, it carries some weight. So if he was noticing that, I, I think it was authentic. And uh, I mean, good for Clint. He's going to get a chance somewhere uh, eventually. Yeah. Uh, the bat plays at the big league level. And uh, the glove is a work in progress, as you know. But it, the, the interesting thing with Clint was, Coming up through the farm system, everybody talked about the legendary bat speed and all that. But nobody was saying, oh, the glove's going to kill you in the outfield. You can't play this guy out there. And yeah. so I think that what happened last year was the result of probably the concussion, uh, maybe not trusting himself completely. He seemed to be back uh, to, to pre-concussion Clint this spring. And so, yeah, like you said, it, that hurts him that he was earning a spot in the opening day lineup. But I, I think he could still play a, uh, an important part for this Yankee team. Yeah, for sure. Cause we, we went down to spring training, um, to go see Red Sox Yankees in, in Florida and he was playing and I mean, he looked great. He hit a, you know, line drive to dead center double, you know, you yeah. hear the crack of the bat a mile away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing him play regardless. Yeah. Yeah. He's an exciting player. And like yeah. I said, that bat plays at the big blue level. We saw it last year, uh, especially in the first half. And so, um, yeah, if he comes in and, uh, you know, just continues doing what he was doing in spring training, then the future's bright for him. Yeah, I think Clint is also, like you said, obviously I, I think the, the the field, his fielding abilities are not what they were displayed last year. Like, they're a lot better than that. And I think he's a very emotional player. I don't know him personally, yeah. but he seems like that, you know, from his responses and stuff. I'm sure you've spoken to him at length as well. I think that adds to that too because he gets in his own head a little bit. Like, once... 
Maybe. He, yeah, a little bit. But I mean, honestly, that my whole point of that saying, I, I do think he is a better fielder than what he's shown previously. So, I mean, the future is bright for the kid. I, I really wish he had a chance to play this year because he would have really had a huge opportunity to start for a long time yeah. and make a name for himself. But obviously, there's a lot yeah. more time for that. So we'll we'll see that down the line. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Is that you know. It, Look, Clint may never win a gold glove, but nobody was saying, oh, well, he, he's a butcher out there. He will kill you. You can't play him. He's a DH. And so um, I, I really think that last year was an aberration, an outlier, and I think he's a lot better than that. Yeah. Speaking of people playing in the outfield in their defense, what do you think of Miggy out there in the outfield? Because I know you've seen him personally, so I've just seen a few games yeah. in spring training. But what do you think? I, he's looked pretty good, honestly. Like, I think he's athletic enough to, to make that work. Um, you know, they tried him a little at first base. They didn't love it. So I think they're going to do away with that for a while. But um, in the outfield, he really did seem to improve. I saw him very early in February, and it looked shaky. I was kind of like, ooh, is this going to work? And he continued. I mean, credit to him. He and Reggie Willits were out there almost every single day working on it. And once they finally got into game action in late February – um, it, it looked pretty natural out there. The first ball in a game was hit right to him, and he called off labor and was <laughs> mm-hmm. under it. And um, everything looked good, looked pretty normal with him. And like I said, is he going to win a gold glove out there? I don't think so. But uh, can he be a serviceable option for them? I absolutely 100% believe that he can. And um, So that gives them another way to fit that bat in the lineup. I mean, you're not really putting him out there for your defense. You're, you're putting him out there because you want to make sure he's in the lineup somehow. And if Stanton's going to be DHing, that does give them another way that Andujar can be in the lineup too. Yeah, it's cool to see him out there. And we haven't really seen him too much. We just saw from the games that he's getting his reps in. But you obviously saw a lot of him. Uh, it's nice to hear that because we honestly, just us joking around over here, we're saying, like, I mean, how many games is he really going to play out there? Uh, right. if, we, if we had a regular season, like a full 162, how many games would you see him actually starting in the outfield? Like, hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I would guess maybe, maybe 20, 25. I mean, yeah. I think that's pretty conservative there. Yeah. I mean, you could probably play another 30 at third base and you DH a bunch. And there you go. Now I'm already up to 81, right? <laughs> so pretty much. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's ways you can be creative about it. And Booney's very good about moving guys around and they're, they're always cognizant of giving guys days off if, if they can. So, I think there's a lot of ways you could creatively work through the lineup to get Andujar in there. And then, of course, you're going to have some injuries. So, um, yep. yeah, I think that having Andujar there and able to come in at, at left field, third base, DH, and, I mean, maybe you could even go back to first base if you had to. Um, I, I think it just gives them more ways to, um, you know, improve that versatility and, and kind of get him in the lineup. Yeah, his yeah. bat his bat definitely plays sort of like Clint. So I mean, when you have a player like that who can hit like that, I mean, you got to figure out one way or another to get him in the lineup wherever he plays. Yeah. So definitely, I wouldn't be opposed, especially hearing that he looked pretty good out there to have, seeing him play anywhere in the outfield. Honestly, maybe not center, but <laughs> <laughs> these things always have a way of working out. You look at them on paper, and they're a puzzle where it's like, oh man. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. And then eventually, because baseball is a game of attrition, guys get hurt all the time. It's such a long yeah. season. I mean, sooner or later, you get your chance more often than not. Yeah, we learned that lesson last year. People get hurt. Yes, for sure. we did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's it like seeing all that from the inside? I know uh, last year we broke the record for most uh, injured list trips. Like, what's it like seeing that? Have you asked around, like, with the medical staff, like, what they're doing? I know you maybe needed to – get up on your, your medical terminology <laughs> as, as a reporter, but who knew that would happen? But 
asking the right questions. Like, is there something going on? Like, there's been a little bit of a trend of misdiagnosis, it seems. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, that was a bizarre season, and I do think it was kind of a once in a lifetime kind of fluke season. I mean, I certainly hope so. I mean, that yeah. that was crazy. I felt like I was writing injury updates every <laughs> single day, and we had this long list of you know when will this guy be back and this guy and this guy and this guy and it was just it never ended the whole year i mean 30 players 39 yeah. cents so that was crazy and yeah the questions were asked and i mean to brian cashman's credit i mean they they acknowledged that it was a concern but they said whatever happens we're going to deal with it behind closed doors and you saw what they did during the offseason i mean they got rid of the strength coach uh they let him go they brought in this new guy eric cressy and um you know we don't know yet. It's incomplete if you know that was the magic solution that will fix everything because um, a lot of the injuries they had this spring, with the exception of Stanton, they were all hangovers from last year. Uh, yeah. Judge, that thing was misdiagnosed, and um, that tr- dates back to September. Paxton dates back to September. Um, Severino, October. So in a lot of ways, you're still dealing with a hangover of 2019. And um, the good news is, with the exception of uh, Severino, all these guys should be resolved and ready to go when, when 2020 does start. But yeah, I mean, that was strangest year ever because, um, they, they kept getting guys hurt, but they kept winning and that, yeah. that that's a credit on the depth. And that's why we were going to call that book next man up. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say did come to be. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a wild, that would have been a wild season. I, I just felt like yeah. it was in the cards. Like the storyline was there. Every season, every team that wins the Tell World Series. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you were going to write a storyline about it. So, I mean, it just seems yeah. that it was all there. I mean, yeah. would have been a best-selling book, but <laughs> you'll get ten, yeah. tons more books. But, like, they, they're so good at finding talent. And, and, you know, obviously we talked about Judge and the Stanton and Severino and the, the star players, but they've been so good at making these under-the-radar moves for guys that we've never really heard of. Mike Toffman, who knew who he yeah. was even mm-hmm. before the Yankees traded for him. I mean, Luke Voigt certainly wasn't a headline-grabbing trade, and they got a, a starting first baseman out of that. Urshela, they got him for $25,000. Blue Jays were trying to get, give up on him. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they've been really good at identifying talent. And, you know, they've made big trades. I mean, the Glaber Torres trade is going to go down as an all-timer. Yeah. But these other moves kind of under the radar that they've been able to pick guys up. And I have no doubt that Cashman probably would have made a move or two uh, right before opening day because that's kind of his M.O. They probably would have done something under the radar if this year if, uh, if it hadn't been interrupted. So... Uh, but yeah, like the, the Topman deal, the Boyd, uh, the Urshela, those are the moves that I feel like Cashman really, uh, really enjoys making. He likes proving that he could be a small market GM if he had to be, not that he'll yeah. ever get the chance. But yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, he's good at kind of finding that talent that other people are undervaluing. Yeah, it's yeah, really for sure. it's interesting to and see with the Mike Talkman thing. I mean, some people were talking about him being the best Mike in baseball, Mike T in baseball. <laughs> that was yeah. just a, it's really wild. I mean, he was at some point. I remember during a stretch. I know. If, I don't know if you tweeted it out or something, but there was like the stat comparison to other players, and he was just blowing everybody away, especially defensively, because that he's a freak athlete yeah. out there. So it's just yeah. wild how how these fa- these finds ended up coming to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd probably take Trout still in a fantasy yeah, draft. But, I would uh, too. Maybe. Thompson, yeah, we'll see. But you know what? Value per dollar, Thompson, I think, uh, yeah. is better than Trout in that, in that, in that category. You yeah, definitely yeah. get more production per dollar. <laughs> yeah, for sure. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. 
From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Um, so, given that you know, I think a, a big, one of the bigger topics you know before the season started was who that fifth starter was going to be. So I know that going back to what um, you're saying about Brian Cashman and finding these bright young talents. You know, we had guys like Clark Schmidt, Debbie Garcia, yeah. who were coming up. Um, even Loizaga, who was showing a lot of um, promise. So let's say that hypothetically the season started on time and we had that fifth starter. Who do you think that fifth starter would have been? I asked that very question of Matt Blake, I think, <laughs> yesterday when we had him on the conference really? call. And, um, they said He said that Loizaga really did open their eyes. And, you know, they hadn't locked that in yet. There was still like two weeks to go in camp. But they were leaning that way with Loizaga. I mean, he'd shown enough and he was having a great spring. Um, yeah, I mm-hmm. think that he had taken a step forward. Um, you know, they talked about him maybe as a starter, maybe as kind of an opener. Uh, maybe he could have been a multi-inning guy out of the bullpen. But I think that had the season started on time, they would have begun the year with Loisega as the fifth uh, starter. Um, yeah, you mentioned Clark Schmidt. He was very impressive. But I think he probably would have started the year probably back in double A, I would guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's where he finished the year. But he was he was set to make his major league debut at some point this year. Hopefully he still can. Um, but I think that uh, – yeah, they would have gone with Loisga, and I think they, they could have gotten creative with the opener, too. I think that mm-hmm. Chad Green might have gotten some opening assignments there early on. Maybe you piggyback uh, Green and Loisga, but uh, I guess we'll never find out because um, <laughs> when they true. do get going, Paxton will be back, and you'll have five starters there. Yeah, yeah of course. With, yeah. The, and with, the, with the expanded rosters, could that be an opportunity for the Clark Schmitz and the Debbie Garcias of the world to crack the roster? And if so, how many – like when they say expanded, how many – are they expanding to like, is it a 40 man or like, what, what are we looking at? No, I, I, I mean, it hasn't been decided yet, yeah. but I would guess they're going to give guy, uh, give teams extra pitchers. So let's say 29, like for yeah. example, just give them mm-hmm. three extra spots, uh, maybe 30. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's still up for debate, but I think, like I said, everything's on the table. Um, I think that in the case of Schmidt and Garcia, you probably don't want to bring those guys up unless you're going to start them. Yeah. Right. You don't you don't want to just have Davey Garcia sitting out in the bullpen for I don't know, 10, 11 days and not use them. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, getting those reps is important at this stage. So I think that you promote them when there's a need and, and you're going to need a starting pitcher. And, you know, the way baseball works, especially if you're going to be playing double headers every week, like, like has been yeah. talked about, you're going to need starting pitchers. So I think those opportunities will be there. I just think you don't want to bring those guys up and have them sit in the bullpen without a clear indication of when you're going to get them in. That's why you have guys like Luis Sessa and David Hale and those kind of guys. They, they can fill that role. Uh, when you've got these prize prospects, I, I do think we would see both of them this year. But um, I, I think you got to give them their chance to start if you're going to bring them up. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And if you're going to – if you're not going to start them, you definitely want them to – start developing, continue having a, a real season and getting real game action. If they're just going to sit on the bench, sure. they're not really useful. So, yeah. Uh, with baseball being kind of in who knows what's going on with it right now, uh, if it were to start, because we're a, a really big thing we were looking forward to seeing 
is the Field of Dreams. So the Field of Dreams, I yeah. think it was supposed to happen August 13th, if I'm not mistaken. If, let's say, the season gets underway before that, hopefully, God willing, that does happen. Wait, it, does that throw that? <laughs> is that does that throw that like away? I know it's still in the United States, but I know they're yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I don't know. Travel. I don't know. You, you've seen baseball already, kind of cut a lot of the stuff. They had a Puerto Rico series, a London series out now. So I hope not. I hope that that's still an option. I mean, they they were busy building the ballpark. So yeah. Um, I, I guess if you have to push it back a year, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I was looking forward to it. I know a lot of the players were, um, I thought that was going to be a really cool thing. So, yeah. um, I guess stay tuned would be my answer. Uh, it may wind up being too much of a headache and too much of a cost, uh, issue where, when you're trying to get games in to have them leave Chicago, go to Iowa, come back to Chicago. I mean, they're going to, this year is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be a mess yeah. in a lot of ways. And so, if, if that's just one wrinkle that they can't take on, then maybe that's what you have to do. But um, I, I think that uh, the Yankees certainly would love to play it. I, I know that the White Sox would like to play it. Um, yeah. Just have to wait and see. Were you going to end up going down to that game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's no hotels there, though, which I hadn't <laughs> figured out yet. I mean, it's Dyersville, <laughs> Iowa. It's a small little farm town. It's not like they have a Marriott or anything. Um, so it, that was going to be interesting. Where were we going to sleep for that one? So may, I was actually thinking maybe you rent a car, drive from Chicago. To, it's like four hours. Cover the game. Drive back that night. I don't. I really have no idea logistically what it was going to be. I know that the team was not going to stay in Iowa, so they were going to come back. Um, they were going to fly back to Chicago that night after. So it was going to be kind of a weird whirlwind. And that's why I say there's so many moving parts with that that I'm not sure if it logistically still works. But I hope it does because I really yeah. want to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know the tickets are probably going to be very <clears throat> difficult to get for us. So it would have been yeah. nice to see just watching the game and all the, the the hype around it was just so exciting. And we were even talking about if we were ever to get our hands on tickets, which we probably wouldn't be able to get because they'd be so expensive, too. What, what do you do in Iowa after the game? Like, you, <laughs> you just yeah, we go fly there. out there. It's just like, okay, what do we yeah. do? <laughs> so what now? <laughs> go run the bases at the, uh, the original, at the movie set, I guess. I don't know. And then once you do that, you're, you're pretty much done, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we were trying to think. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Have some corn. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of it over there. <laughs> but anyway, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, another thing that we know you're interested in, as well as us, is baseball cards. So, like, what's sure. what you have a collection going? I do, and you know, they're not here in Florida with yeah. me. I don't <laughs> travel with them, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I started collecting cards when I was seven years old, so like that's 1989. And yeah. we we're talking about like the upper deck set, and that, that yeah. was the first year of upper deck, and uh, the Griffey Jr. rookie card. And uh, I must have bought like four sets of that 89 tops, just I mean, they were like 35 cents a pack, and yeah. so I must have <laughs> bought a ton of them. and um, yeah, I just continued collecting all through high school and uh, kind of got away from it a little bit in my college years. But uh, hopefully now that my daughters are getting a little older, they're three and one. I'd like to introduce them to it uh, in the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can buy some wax boxes, and, you know, put together Yankee team sets or something. I think we can definitely have some fun with it. Yeah, we were trying to get into baseball cards a lot. Us and my other friend is actually a Red Sox fan. So get him out of here. But Anyway, <laughs> well, we were trying to do things like box breaks and fun stuff that, like, for example, uh -huh. Phil, Phil Hughes is doing. He's doing a lot of that. Yeah. 
So it's just really exciting stuff, and I saw you were interested in cards, so I figured well, I might, might bring it up. Phil can afford to buy these packs that are like five hundred dollars a pack. I don't yeah. know, you know, the average collector can <laughs> do that. So uh, yeah. I'm good with I'm good with just getting like my tops archives and all that. And um, I, I love the old cards. Yeah. Like I love putting together old sets. Like I I was born in 1982, so I put together the 82 top set, and that was yeah. cool. And um, then I started doing like 83, 84, and those are easier to do anyway. Um, you know, God, there's so many like 1988 <laughs> top sets out there. Like, they yeah. just produce so many of them. I'm actually reading a book right now about uh, kind of the the history of baseball cards, and I'm into oh, like cool. the 80s now in that book. So yeah, yeah I, we're all trying to do something to keep busy here. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a do you have a favorite card? You know what? My favorite card that that I own personally would yeah. probably be I. If you remember, like somewhere around the mid 90s, there was something called the Ted Williams Card Company. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I opened up one of these packs and there were 406 autographed Ted Williams cards in this set, like, wow. you know, randomly inserted. I pulled number six out of 406. So wow. I still have that. That's probably <laughs> wow. the best. That's the, that's the best card in my collection, an autographed Ted Williams. That's crazy. That's, that's sick. <laughs> that's awesome to see. I mean, something we've been. And, and, and I was like. 13 so like, oh, that man. was super cool to get that yeah it was like wow i mean so even cool. now even now it'd be crazy it's even yeah it's even better now right yeah um, but yeah if there was one card that i'll keep and i'll never part with that's it yeah i mean uh, a, a weird, awesome. an interesting thing we were thinking about is we're obviously trying to get into the card game and stuff like that it could honestly be stalled like there's a lot of cards that are supposed to release and they need pictures of people playing baseball so right we're wondering if that gets stalled as well so i mean i don't know tops did yeah. put out the, the set already right i think they're they're on the shelves so like i know i yeah. saw like a garrett cole card in a yankee uniform so yeah. i think they had guys shooting spring training guys and girls so they they should have some photos i mean we were down here for a month but yeah. clearly you know you want to see garrett cole on the mound of yankee stadium yeah. so it's just yeah, weird. I think we're gonna have we're gonna have to wait a little while on that. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Something as simple as like cards coming out, you now don't know if those will happen because you need something as simple as pictures. So it's just weird. Right. It's just a really yeah. weird time. Uh, speaking of weird times, we just got the news. I'm sure you obviously know that the Astros and as well as suspensions in general, they'll get credit for it this year if the season were to not happen. So, what are, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Are we talking about like for AJ Hinch and Alex yeah. Porter and that kind of stuff? Yeah, because they said that they would get credit if the year were to not were to not happen. They would just right. not be suspended. It, right. It's kind of weird to me. But so, what do you think? Anything on that? Yeah, and that's the situation with Domingo Herman too yeah. on the Yankees. Is that if he he has a sixty three games coming in, and if the season begins, he's got to do sixty three, but otherwise it's just vacated. I don't know. I, I, there's no perfect solution yeah. here. Um, you know, because I think you can see the argument on both sides. Let's just talk about Herman. Um, all right, so he sat out, I think it was 17 games or something like that at the end of last year, and then he'll, he'll sit out another 63. Well, you know, it's, if there's no season, then then he's going to sit out almost a year and a half because of this. And, like, I'm not condoning what he did. It's, it, it sucks. But um, the fact that he's going to miss a year and a half and then have to continue to sit out, I, I, that doesn't seem fair to me. But you can also make the case that, everybody's sitting out in 2020 Mm -hmm. so um yeah i I don't know that's a head scratcher but i feel like um the thing with the astros situation i do i don't necessarily think that teams are going to be rushing to hire aj hinch anyway so i think that regardless of 
whether there's a game or not played this year, I don't think he's going to have a job in 2021 anyway. So yeah. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, I no. just seeing how quickly the Mets cut ties with Beltron, I feel like these guys are going to sit out for a while uh, as yeah. a result of this. And Alex Cora, too. And so I don't sense there's going to be a mad rush to go sign these guys and hire them. I could be wrong. I don't know. But yeah. uh, that's yeah. just the sense I get. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like, um, you know, the bulk of the what happened has already affected them. You know, yeah, it's, right. even if it, even if they don't are not allowed to coach for a whole season, the damage is done. Most of the damage is done. Right. And maybe they do wind up managing in, in Carlos's case. I hope he gets a chance because, you know, I know him a little bit and he always talked about how much he wanted to do that. And I feel like, uh, you know, maybe at some point that happens, but I, I think it's too fresh right now. And I think that uh, all those guys are going to have to be on ice for a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Just thought I'd bring it up because it's just recent news. Yeah. And that's the only news that we're getting so right now. So I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish we had uh, wish we had players on the field, and I wish the Yankees were um, you know playing that first home stand right now. We could talk about that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. These are the cards we're dealt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, since you have obviously made this this transition from being a big diehard fan in baseball to working with all these guys on a day to day basis, how how is that kind of felt for you because i feel like that'd be just the weirdest thing in the world if i were i'm 23 right now so if i were to start from yeah. now and then maybe next year become something similar to what you have obviously i wouldn't get there because you're the king but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway like what's i feel like that's just so weird to me how did that feel it's different for sure i mean i think that you can be a fan or you could be on the media side but it's really difficult to straddle the line with both and i think part of it is you get to know these guys on a personal level yeah. i mean i grew up cheering for teams and rooting for wins and losses and or not you know rooting for losses but um <laughs> it, you get so caught up in the game and then you realize there's people in the game and then you start rooting for the guys who you like personally or who make your job easier. And, and I root for good storylines and for quick games. But honestly, like if the Yankees win 10 to nothing or they lose 10 to nothing, at the, I, I still go home and I hug my kids the same. Uh, and you hear that from the ballplayers too. It's like, you know, once they, once the nine innings are done and they go home, that's the end of it for them. And that, that's why I think they're able to keep the perspective of, uh, you know, it's such a long season and you're going to win and you're going to win. And you're going to play a lot of, you're going to lose. <laughs> in a one fifty-two, so um, I, I think that once you kind of see behind the curtain a little bit, um, it definitely changes your perspective. And what I've learned, obviously, baseball is a business. You hear people talk about that all the time, but there is definitely a huge financial component to it. And um, I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by what goes on in the front office and what Cashman does and Tim Nehring and all his lieutenants up there and how you find and develop talent. I think that's a really cool thing too. And so um, I think that when I was a fan, I was definitely more focused on the players and what they were doing and, you know, which guys went two for four or three for four. And now I think that covering baseball, I'm more interested in what's going on behind the scenes and what's going on in the front office. I mean, the games are still fun and I miss the game so much right now, but <laughs> I think that uh, during the off season, definitely, um, covering roster moves and that kind of stuff that that stuff really uh really speaks to me in a lot of ways and i think that's a lot of fun yeah like i'm sure being at the winter meetings and all that is just as hectic yeah. as it looks from the outside but when you're when you're there you're just like all this stuff is especially this year with all the moves that happen i'm sure it's fun when your team when the team you cover yeah. is doing a lot and so that made it awesome covering the garrett cole stuff the worst thing in the world is when you're leaving 
uh, let me rephrase. It's not the worst thing in the world, but <laughs> it, the most dull winter meetings is when you're le- checking out of the hotel on Thursday afternoon and you're writing a story and it's like, what did the Yankees do? Well, not much. They didn't take anyone <laughs> in the rule five. They, they talked to some teams, nothing happened. Like that is just boring. And it's like, what yeah. did I do with my week? So when they're, Signing Garrett Cole to this record-setting contract, that was a lot of fun. Even though, yeah. you know, you're chasing down stories at midnight, that's that's what you do this for. That's what you hope mm-hmm. for, and that's why you get on the plane. Yeah. That's so, awesome. So speaking of all that news and stuff, like, what's – what's and you obviously break a lot of news. I'm, I got the notifications on for your Twitter. I always am on the lookout for that stuff. What's the craziest news that you've broke personally? Ooh. Uh I mean, it's exciting. I didn't break the story, but I mean, just chasing down Cole is the first thing in my head because we were out to dinner. Uh, We had like an MLB company party that night. And so I I was late getting there because I thought that something was happening on Cole. And so I got there at 1030 and I think somebody handed me a drink or whatever. And I was (laughs) going for the plate of nachos. And then my phone starts blowing up and it's like the Yankees have signed Garrett Cole. I was like sprinting across the parking lot (laughs) to get back to the hotel. And it's like, man, you just can never clock out. And so, but you don't want to. I mean, that's like, that's like what I said is that that's why you get on the plane to, for those moments. And so running back to the hotel lobby and leaving this company dinner and 29 other reporters and MLB are like, where's he going? And it's like, well, Yankees must have signed Cole. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that wow. was, that's the first memory that comes to my mind. And um, that, was, that's that was amazing. A fun night. That was a fun night. That's funny. That's I mean, amazing. that's the only thing. <laughs> If I'm somebody else, like a Reds reporter or somebody, oh, they must have signed Garrett Cole. It's like you, yeah, don't, right. even, you don't even need to look at the you look at the internet to see if they if the news broke yet because you know just by Brian Hoke running across. <laughs> running across. I just thought it was funny because I had just left the workroom and I was one of the last people out. And it was like, all right, I, I think we're okay for the night, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had just walked into this restaurant, and ten minutes later, I'm running back out the door. And I was like, of course, why not? Yeah. Why? <laughs> the news broke late too, so. <laughs> It did. Yeah, I actually yeah. fell asleep. It was past midnight on New York time. Right? Yeah, so yeah. It was yeah. like nine, ten o'clock West Coast time. We were in San Diego. Yeah, I fell asleep uh. and then I woke up to quite possibly the best news ever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I woke up, my phone was not. It was just blowing up, and I was like, "What's what's going on here?" And I'm just sifting right. through it to try and figure out. I was like, "Oh, oh my god, <laughs> this is crazy." <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, kind of our last question because I know you you got a busy man, you got the family behind you and all that. So one last thing while we have you on here is um, obviously you've seen a lot of the prospects and stuff. We don't really see a lot of that. We know uh, when we went to spring training, went to one game, we actually ended up going to South Fenway because we got okay. tickets there. Our friend was a Red Sox fan too, so we thought it'd be fun. Anyway, good ballpark. <laughs> but it uh, is. And do you want to know a fun fact about that ballpark? Yeah. That, the, the fake green monster out there is actually the real green monster like the, the part that says American League, if you go look at the Bucky Dent home run, that's the green monster. They found it in like a storage facility in South Dakota. Really? And, like, and they trucked it all the way back to Florida. No yeah, way. I guess they, they replaced it with something, I guess. Oh, you know what? They, now, if you look at Fenway, they've got all the major league teams, not just the American League. So they put the old American League one in stores. But, yeah, at Fenway South, that is the green monster that Bucky Dent hit the home run over, which is which that I think is, is too cool. funny. I that's tell, really I tell cool. that to people every time I go down to Fort Myers. And uh, so that's my fun fact about Fort Myers. That's yeah. so cool. That's really cool. I didn't even know that. I mean, I obviously yeah. knew it. it looked similar. Google it. You can find a whole story about it. I wish, yeah. you that, I wish you that beforehand. I would have taken a picture or looked for it. <laughs> yeah. That's, all, that's awesome, though. That's crazy. We actually almost got tickets when we did go because they were – they're not, they're not that cheap, but they're pretty cheap, and we wanted to see if yeah. we can get on top of the monster. It was like 
Right. It was thirty bucks if you could get the the single ticket, but obviously you're not gonna sit alone. And then it was more expensive to right. do that. But that would have been cool because you at least yeah. got a taste of what it's like to sit on the monster. Have you ever sat on? Yeah. The, have you ever sat on the monster? I've been, up, I've been up there during batting practice at Fenway, and it, it is cool. Yeah. yeah. But I've never sat up there for a game. Yeah. I mean, those tickets are tough to get. I'm. I don't know, but. I heard there's actually a waiting list to get those tickets oh, really? in games. Yeah, our friend who's a Red Sox fan keeps saying that. But Well, uh, I know this is not a Red Sox podcast, but I will say I've played left field at Fenway Park. We have a media game every year that we play against the Red Sox writers. So just <laughs> getting to stand out there and, like, you, you stand and you look behind you and there's a wall. That's and it's, crazy. It's so close. Yeah, because yeah, even just playing a regular left field, like, it's so close to you. And it's just, yeah, it's that's pretty cool to be out there. That's left funny. Field, Left field at Fenway and right field at Yankee Stadium, especially the old Yankee Stadium. Those yeah. are like the two coolest things I've ever done. Yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's wild. I can't even imagine being out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we. The I game recently... is not the game is not good. We all stink, but <laughs> it's sure... cool to just be standing where. It's the feeling. Where, it's the feeling yeah, that counts. Just to kind of jog out to right field and be like, all right, I'm Aaron Judge right now. Like, yeah, cool. yeah, that is crazy. I actually just recently went to uh, Fenway. Luckily, it was the one game in the ALDS 2018 that we did win. And I was in enemy territory and everything, and that was the game that Gary hit two home runs, one over, just left the ballpark onto Lansdowne Street. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah I was that there, was awesome. and I was just standing up. Everyone was sitting down because they're all Red Sox fans. I was like, yep, <laughs> yep, this is my time. This is a great game. We <laughs> lost every other game other than that, but that was my time. Right. <laughs> that was my time to be <laughs> happy. But you've been to, obviously, have you been to every stadium? I'm missing Atlanta. I'm missing the new Atlanta. Um, but 29 out of 30. Yeah, because, I mean, us personally want to do, like, an RV trip and try and hit all the stadiums. I'm not doing too well right now. I've only gotten three, <laughs> and they're all the local okay. ones. I actually have, like, yeah. a little scratch-off stadium thing, and it's not even, yeah. even close to scratched off. But what was your favorite stadium that you have went to? Uh, the favorite, like, non-Yankee stadium? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would say my favorite right now is Target Field. I think really? that everything really? is, yeah. It, it's just, it's a perfect ballpark. Everything's right where it should be. I think the views are terrific. Um, the atmosphere is awesome. Um, you know, you don't want to be there in April, but I mean, the middle of the summer when it's, you know, nice in Minnesota, that is, that is a perfect ballpark. And I really? think that, uh, the experience of like seeing a game there, uh, especially when the twins are good, like that game that the Yankees played where the Hicks catch mm-hmm. last year was one mm-hmm. of my favorite games that I've ever seen live anywhere. And so, um, you know, being back there for the postseason was cool. And, um, yeah, I think that 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 one, I mean, you know, I, the others come to my mind, San Francisco, Seattle. Um, but I, I think that uh, and Wrigley and Dodger Stadium are in their own class, I think, and yeah. Fenway, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll go Minnesota is my number one. Yeah, I never even heard. Cool. Of, I've never heard about Minnesota being the one. I, I mean, I've never obviously gone there, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, They've it looks done good. everything right. Yeah. It looks good, and that will be the show. So <laughs> I'll yeah. take your word for it. That's all we've been yeah. doing recently to keep ourselves busy. So. Get out there. You know, rent that RV and head out to Minnesota. It's a great city. Yeah, the one thing, yeah. I, the one thing I don't like about Minnesota is that whenever I, I've noticed on TV when they play the loud music and they've heckled. I think they did one – what did they do one time, Damon? They played uh, – the New York, New York, when they were... Oh, yeah, for yeah. every strikeout. Yeah, that, that was ridiculous. That was yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember tweeting about that and being like, all right, guys, we get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. That aside, yeah, I still like Minnesota. Was that, dur- <laughs> that, was that during the, the Hicks catch game? I think it might have been. I think yeah. they were doing it for the whole they're, series. They were doing it the I whole series, like. yeah. yeah. They were doing it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. that was a bit much. That was but, a little... Yeah. <laughs> they were give trying it, a little too hard. But I was, it was wild because... We actually weren't. We watched the beginning of the Hicks catch game, 
we were like, all right, we wanted to go watch Spider-Man because it just came out, the Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, which one was it? Uh, uh, far, far From, from Home, we went to the theater, yeah. Yeah, we walked across the street because we have a theater like a block away from us, and then we came back and we're like, this game, there's no way it's still on, right? And then we get the notification, yeah. and we're like, oh, it's in the extra innings, and then we came back, and the first thing yeah. we saw was the Hicks home run, and then the catch, so, I mean, yeah. we, we caught the best part of the game, but definitely right, probably, yeah, that was, sick. That that was, was probably awesome. the best game last hey, if year if we'd written me. that book, that whole that game would have had a whole chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could write, that's true. Could write a whole book about that one game. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. I might uh, have time. I might do it now. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, right? yeah. I might Get write a book, to too. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's nothing to write for me, but I'll write something. <laughs> Keep a diary or something. Yeah. But, we'll do the, the right. four-word. Yeah. Four-word goodbye. <laughs> All right, good. You're on the hook for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, last question I wanted to get was you've seen a lot of prospects playing this year in spring training and stuff. We like a lot of the guys. We try to play uh, scout a little bit <laughs> with the MLB yeah. show and some uh, simulations and stuff. We like the, the, the four Luises. We got Severino, Gil, Medina, and who, who's the last one? There's, there's a fourth one, but anyway, so I'm, I'm getting a little off topic here, but what's your uh, prospect that you're most excited to see? I mean, I was, I, you know, I, I, easy answer is Davey Garcia, um, because I just was looking forward to watching him pitch in Grapefruit League games this spring, and I did get to see him, and uh, it's legit. It's there. Um, you know, Clark Schmidt really impressed me. He's my, he impressed me the most this spring, but David Garcia, I think just for the, the size, and then you see the velocity that comes out of that small frame. Um, I, I get it. Like I, I see what there is to be excited about there. Yeah. And, um, so those are the two we saw Luis Gill a little bit in spring training too. Um, but I, I definitely saw more of Garcia and Schmidt just because they were starting games. Um, you know, a lot of times during spring training games, we're running around doing stuff. We're not actually locked in on all nine innings because uh, the starting pitcher comes down, we'll go down to talk to him. So I miss a lot of the middle innings there. But I think that Garcia and Schmidt definitely uh, opened my eyes in spring training. Schmidt definitely looked more polished than I expected him to be. And Garcia, the stuff was better than I expected. So those are two to really be excited about, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a lot to be excited about as Yankee fans. So I'm excited yeah. to see. At least if we get some baseball this year. If we get anything, I'll be yeah. happy. Let's get some games going, and, yeah, that, yeah. that'll be very excited about. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. I know you're a busy man. Uh, stay safe. hope you guys are staying yeah, safe stay down healthy. in Florida. Stay sane. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, trying. We're doing what we can down here. Yeah. 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 Catch some uh, rays. I know it's probably beautiful weather down there right now. At least the weather's warm. Yeah, right. It's 85 and sunny. You just can't really do anything. But, yeah. you know, a lot of people that's, got it worse. So, yeah. See, that, that's the difference between Florida and New York is is because as soon as it hits like 65 out, I like look at some of my window and people are like creeping outside. I'm like, go <laughs> yeah. back, go back, go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's tempting, but stay inside. Springtime in New York. <laughs> Spring and fall in New York are my favorite season, so yeah, I wish I was up there. Like but nothing like wish it. Wish I was up there right now, and I wish we were at Yankee Stadium having this conversation. But yeah, uh, well, hopefully, hopefully sometime soon. soon. Yeah, we can do that. You yeah. got it. Right, awesome. Man. We'll stay safe, and uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.